Hello and welcome back to the Library Talks podcast, the Sutton Libraries podcast. I'm your host Alfie from the digital team and this week I was joined by library and archive apprentice Abigail to discuss her hybrid role working both in our extensive archive collections and also in our libraries. We recorded this conversation on the second floor of Sutton Central Library and our discussion uh, touched on a number of topics including the changing nature of archives, their purpose, uh, how they can be accessed and used and also misconceptions around archives and how their work is changing along with technology. We also talked about the ways in which communication has evolved in Sutton over the years and we looked ahead to some of the exciting projects that's coming up um, as part of Sutton Steams Ahead. I've always enjoyed getting members of the Sutton Cultural Services team on this podcast to get an insight into the day-to-day work that's being carried out across the service and Abby provided some fascinating insights into the world um, of archiving and I learned a lot about the specifics of the work done by the archives team and it actually dispelled some of my misconceptions as well despite the fact that I uh, work just down the corridor from them. Uh, so enjoy and uh, I'll be back after this conversation for some more information about Sutton Steams Ahead but before that my chat with Abby. Libraries, information and archive services. It's in a level three apprenticeship, I believe. So it's like after GCSEs. Um, It's sort of a part-time job in the libraries and a part-time job in the archives mixed together with a load of studying that kind of and writing up assignments that sort of um, talk about the different aspects of both of them. So I've done like assignments in collections management and the user needs and then also in like um, archive, archive services and preservation and everything. So it's actually really nice to join up the two sides of what is cultural services and actually be um, sort of a nice liaison of the two as well. Mm. So it's part of a actual qualification. Yeah, I think the qualification is actually in like customer services or something, but the actual title is um, that long libraries and archives essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what sort of drew you to that? Is it is archiving something in particular that you like that in particular that you wanted to focus on? Or yeah, I think um, I did a history degree at uni. And when you do a history degree, everyone goes, oh, so what are you going to do with it? Like most people think you'll become a teacher. A lot of people sort of do um, the law conversion degrees. And then a lot of them also weirdly go into accounting and finance. I don't know why history feeds into that. But um, I actually wanted to do something that was related to my degree and Mm. related to the history that I just spent three years learning and writing about Mm. and um so i thought the archive is like the actual whole like backbone of the sort of history and everything and they're all the sources that's a really interesting thing so you can go like right back to the beginning and see it as it was and um see everything that they worked off you can now see today and i just found that fascinating and i was like oh my gosh i need to go into archives (laughs) yeah i mean i think you maybe would associate uh history with a more kind of academic yeah, of route, but actually, 
I suppose what you're doing is kind of even more hands-on than that. Yeah, so it is academic in the fact that you're looking at all the archives and the sources and the arguments around them. And then if you take one step back from that, that's sort of the archivists mm -hmm. who look after them and manage them and, and then give them to, say, like the history researchers who are looking into them and making those academic papers. You just sort of like, you can read everything that they do and it's really interesting what the researchers make, but then you're like, but I provided you all of these. <laughs> yeah, <I guess> no <laughs> so really it is really nice, yeah. yeah. People actually facilitate... I mean, you might read some amazing history, mm. a history book, for example, and think, be very impressed by the stuff that they've been able to access. Yeah. And never really think, how did they? Yeah. Who was in the room with the white gloves on? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's fun is when you see, because um, uh, the problem with um, archives quite a lot is that they're quite fragmented as well. Mm -hmm. So you have like, for example, we have some hospital records and then London Metropolitan Archives. That's another big one they'll have some others and then National Archives might have some. Right. So when you look at like academic reports, you can see that they've literally just like traveled the country trying yeah. to find these various sources. And we're all just like, oh yeah, we might have some of that as well. So. Is there a particular kind of focus for the archives at Sutton? Is it just about kind of everyday life in Sutton as a rule or is it broader than that? Um, well, as general, it's anything related to the Sutton borough as it evolved throughout the years and that can encompass so much. It goes from literally like all the old estates to um, the different churches. So we have a lot of church records or they're like baptism, marriage and committee meetings. And we've got a lot of um, like... You can look at the sort of environmental studies. We've got a lot of different maps and plans of, like, sewage works and drainage works. And, yeah, I know, you can look them up if you really want. Is, I, mean, <laughs> I have to say, that is that is the sort of thing that I would find yeah. interesting. So. <laughs> but the thing is with maps is that I'm like, oh, yeah, these are so cool. We have so many, like, topographical and geographical ones, and they they look really cool, but I have no idea how to interpret no. them. No, <laughs> I can good. tell you I have them. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. And then someone goes, oh, so do you know it works? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I mean, I've always, I've always thought I'd, I'd enjoy working with archives, but I think that's just because I want to just be able to look at the yeah material. most of it is just because i'm quite naturally curious yeah i just like um sort of go oh, what's that and then i just end up looking and um i think that's research as well as you just mm. end up like as i keep saying like down a rabbit hole yeah like someone will go oh do you have any information on this and it's just like well here is everything you may ever need <laughs> i have an entire house history here for you because i ended up finding everything <laughs> that i wanted but getting yourself lost down the rabbit hole is Part of your job so yeah you don't I, have to feel <laughs> I know I'm, I'm great I get paid for this it's great <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great um so I know that there's been a push uh, at the moment to collect stuff about like present yeah. day yeah Sutton, I guess and any sort of submissions that people might have what's the thinking behind that from a kind of archive point of view other than you know, I guess the obvious <laughs> for people to look at in the future. Uh, and what sort of stuff do you kind of value the most in terms of contemporary? I material? think the big issue is really that if you look back, um, even like 60s, 70s, is that everyone, 
everything's collated, nothing's really digital. Mm -hmm. So all of the, like the letters are on paper, all of the photographs have been sort of done on like a glass plate or yeah. they're in the newspapers and there's always like a physical other copy of them. So that everything kind of, there's a physical copy of absolutely pretty much anything, um, whether it's still existing or not. And that's what a lot of archives are. But nowadays, as you move like more digitally, everyone just like email, even emails, like they're basically the sort of newfound sort of letter system yeah. and um, all your photographs are on your phone or everything like that. And people forget that these are the things that made the archives back then. They're the things that we actually collect. They're like, um, they think that we want old material that they always assume archives and old are just like symbiotic. Right, yeah. And it's like, no, we, um, we want to collect everything that you think like so if you go and visit an archive you want to see like photographs you want to see letters all these different minute meetings and everything and you have all of that already even in your emails and um like all the council meetings are now online and we want to collate all that and make new collections and keep feeding it into the archive because and the whole point of an archive is to keep that sort of going and keep it current as well mm -hmm. as keep it um keep all the history there too i suppose there's no there's nothing in the definition of archive or archiving that makes any reference to even the past it's no. about collecting material everyone always goes oh archives you just want to sit in like the old dusty basement i don't know why this is the connotation because a we hate dust okay yeah. we hate it <laughs> it's the one thing we spend our lives trying to get rid of yeah. and yes it can be old materials like we have really fascinating old materials dating back to like the 1500s and that's incredible and but we're not it's not about it is about the old and it's about the new. It's, it's the connections, mm -hmm. really. And that's what I like about the local history one is that it's constantly a connection to the past and to the current and keeping that sort of stream that this is Sutton, this is how it's been, this is how it is now. And you can see the sort of evolution of it all. And we can build on that and people can realise that they can build on that and they can give us things and we will happily take anything as well <laughs> and build that so that we have an archive for the future and for now as well so that people are able to go and see, say, like Jubilee photos in July that mm. from a street party because they're interested in that sort of thing. I think uh, it's interesting how the way, even the way that we kind of think about certain materials... Um, I think we can kind of convince ourselves that that's it's like an inherent quality of that material but actually the way we perceive it completely changes over time like letters for example yeah. there's a real romance around letters <laughs> yeah. and around finding mm. old letters um, there's no romance around finding someone's emails no but that's true but, but in the time before emails obviously there was a, there was often a sort of romantic idea well, behind sitting and writing a letter but for a lot of people it was just not how usually. you communicated with someone if you there's what I love about um, in our photographic collection we're actually sort of trying to sort them out at the moment is we've got a lot of postcards and a lot of them are just literally postcards of like a nice road the church and everything that build into just seeing what it was like but if you ever read like the backs of them mm. It's actually, it's usually just like um, went to, because you get them like three or four times a day then because that was the yeah. only method of communication. So it would be like, 
I've just picked up a cake, I'll see you at two. And I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) Or it's like, I've got home safely, hope you're well. It's like, it's not like the long letters that people think sometimes of like, you know, um, gushing sort of, I'm come and see you again. It's great, it was lovely. And it's you sometimes, it is just like a one sentence, like, yeah, I've arrived, weather's great, where are you? Sort of (laughs) the text messages, essentially. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean, I think there's probably there would probably be for some people a barrier in submitting things contemporary items thinking hey, why would anyone ever have any interest mm. in reading this but if you'd said to someone i don't know 100 years ago writing a postcard we want this in an archive they probably would have said well why why would anyone <laughs> want to see this but it's actually it is really fascinating cause yeah everything about it tells you something about that time exactly yeah and you can see like all the postmarks and where people lived as well so you can see that they're coming from like different areas of the world as well coming in and saying oh I'm just visiting it and I'm like you're visiting Sutton in like the 1900s I don't know why but that sounds really nice yeah. like <laughs> let's go see a nice little village in um in England mm. just below London you'll be fine <laughs> have you kind of found any real stories that you could kind of remember that whether through letters postcards where you kind of get a sense of it's not just a snapshot you do get more of a sense of someone's story like an exchange of letters even best one i can think of is you know the um dr george rice yes um i know we use him quite a lot um he's a great in the archives we have these lovely letters from i think it's his sister mm-hmm. and um who was living in france at the time and they i can't i can't remember what war it was it's some type of war going on there a, uh, a lot of wars <laughs> during those times you know um and she writes about like all the sort of atmosphere around um, that she's living in and talking to him and sending those sort of messages across and they are the sort of like gushing letters that you think yeah. of but they are really sweet because you can see the whole background and how the sort of um, political background and the war and everything fed into it and mm. then sending these letters back to like her brother and seeing how he's doing it's just it's those sort of little stories that are really nice because with those postcards you do get quite a lot of just snapshots of daily life mm-hmm. and it's really hard to find like a whole story um you sort of have to delve into the actual archives for them and i think that george rice one's really it's really sweet mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're uh from Sutton, i presume i i live outside yeah okay. i'm in the surrey hills okay so um, i was gonna say is, did, well i was gonna say did it has has what you've done in the archives changed your perception of Sutton. Did you have a perception of Sutton before you well, started? <laughs> well, I used to have a family friend that lived in Sutton. I will say as well, you can be honest, because before I uh, <laughs> got my job at Sutton, I didn't know where it was. So <laughs> No, sure no I knew where it was. I had a family <laughs> friend there. And, um, but I'll never forget, like, when we were going, like, we were like, let's go shopping at Sutton. And it was just, like, a really sad kind of high street and everything. And I, I know that was still quite a while ago, um... But it hasn't really changed that sort of thing. And even now I go home and like my mum's like, oh, it's actually busy. And I'm like, yeah, it's busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it has changed it. I think bits where I see is when um, I get sent off to other branches. Mm. And because I cycle um, 
so I get the train into Sutton and then I cycle to various branches and it's when you're cycling through and you go oh that road oh mm. that's what they were talking about and then because a lot of the time because I'm not from here people come in and go oh you know that road and I'm like yeah sure yes. <laughs> like I'm very good at just being like yeah sure going along with it and mm. then just google mapping in the corner yeah um so actually cycling through Sutton and like going round to the different branches, I get to actually see that side of it mm -hmm. and seeing like different parts of Sutton and how it is um, creating my own new perceptions of it based on like what I've seen there. I think that's quite nice is actually being able to do that. Yeah, I definitely got a sense like obviously it's only been part of London for what, since 1965. Yeah. So it still has that kind of... And people still call it Surrey, but I'm from the Surrey Hills, and I'm like, no, yeah, no, you're not. It's funny, because <laughs> like, there, I mean, there were people at the time who were very... In all of the outer London um, boroughs that got kind of incorporated, a lot of people were very anti. Mm. Didn't want to be part of London. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely still that kind of slightly there separate definitely mentality. Definitely is. Yeah, because um, they come in and they're like, Sutton, Surrey, and I'm like, Sutton, <laughs> London borough, <laughs> Sutton? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I remember when I was working in the libraries and getting people kind of asking me those sorts of questions about very specific places and if they're asking me for advice or directions, yeah. I would have to fess up and say I actually, <laughs> uh, from Deptford and some, they were absolutely taken aback that someone from Deptford would be in Sutton. Like, it's like 10 miles away, so it's, you know, it's yeah. 40 minutes on the train. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. London. Yeah. But there was this sort of perception that it must take you days to get here by horse and cart. And when you get back to Deptford, you must have to fight your way back to your house. And it's kind of a different world. This is London, you yeah, know. It's all London. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess you probably see that even more in the kind of historical material. Yeah. Is there a um, sense of it being, when it wasn't part of London, is there a sense of people feeling very much that they're not Londoners, I guess? Would you say that from what you've seen? Um, I don't know really because I don't really sort of specify from what I've seen anyway there's so many archives let's just yeah. start off with <laughs> I have I've seen a snapshot of what we've got yeah. in our archives um, and what we and what I've worked with but there is so much material down there that every time I sort of get an inquiry and I search for something and I'm like oh my gosh you've got this that's so cool <laughs> how I did not do that and then <laughs> and then you end up again the rabbit hole finding out everything you've got in there and yeah. it's just ridiculous amounts so and so many different topics that in what I've seen like people don't really sort of I think they just I think the nice thing is that Sutton and definitely um Car Shelton as well has a really sort of rich history and people sort of feed into that but I don't think I don't really get a sense of the whole Surrey versus mm. London divide mostly just from the people who come in yeah that's <laughs> where it mostly comes yeah. from but like people in the sort of archives you sort of see like oh this is a really like nice place to visit it doesn't sort of it's the countryside it's a nice sort of countryside versus um it's got plenty there to do kind of mm. vibe to it rather than a um, sort of county boundary line yeah. argument. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, we should probably mention um, if people do want to access the archive, mm -hmm. uh, how do they go about doing that? And is there kind of um, specific things that, that are kind of can anyone access it for any reason? Is I suppose is what I'm asking. And how would they go about doing that? So at the moment we have the local history centre that's open on the top floor of the central library. 
Um, that is just all the local history books and everything um, collected and sorted by different locations. So they're open access anytime the library is open. And then if you want to sort of look at the actual archival material and anything we might have in the search room, like the photographs, the maps and the sort of um, newspapers and everything like that, then you do have to make an appointment for them. Um, you can do that like by either just if you're in the library, seeing a member of staff there, um, calling up as well. I know that they've got um, telephones go through to Worcester Park and everywhere and they, mm -hmm. they know how to do it too. And um, or just emailing us um, uh, <laughs> at local.studies um, at sutton.gov. That's the um, that goes through to local studies account, and we can look up your sort of inquiry and look up if we've got anything to do with it and what we can tell you about it. And that's the main way of doing it, really. Okay. Um, and there's going to be a lot of uh, kind of work this year to do with the Sutton Steams Ahead. Mm, Is there yeah. anything specific happening uh, in the archives or with using the archives related to that? So the one project that um, the archive manager is currently working on is the... Oh, I'm going to get the name of this wrong now. Then now next, I want mm -hmm. to call it. Well. <laughs> I know it's three words related to time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that is mostly focused on um, increasing our photographic collection. So what was really, really nice is this year, obviously we had the Jubilee and we had a lot of um, street parties and yeah. we had um, all sorts of celebrations across the borough. And we... Um, and we actually had a lot of people um, sending in their photos from these street parties and um, giving them, like, letting us have them and to look at them and to make, like, if ever we need to, sort of displays in them as well. And I think that was really nice because that sort of set a nice precedent that we this is what we want, this is the material we want. So the then now next project is looking to sort of, like, continue this idea that we want to take all these in we want all these photographic collections we want people to go out and take a picture of their house take a picture of their street take a picture of a park um literally anything sort of around the borough yeah. um because as i said there's sort of like it's not a deficit but you can see that it jumps the sort of time periods you have like um, 80s, less in the 90s, and then it sort of gets a little bit more scattered across, like, um, from about 2000, the photographs, and the pamphlets as well. They're mm. all sort of um, that same period. So I think we're just looking to sort of increase our collection by making people... And we do accept digital accessions as well, so people sending them in as um, sort of JPEG and PNGs, that's fine. And then we just need people to sign, like, a sort of deed of gift form essentially so that they hand over they say that we're okay having them and they can stipulate anything like if they want them to be shut for 20 years or whatever that's fine um it's that sort of thing we it's that whole project is bringing in um and making people aware of the archives and saying we will take anything you want and just go take pictures <laughs> give us pictures those <laughs> people should remember as well that the curating is done by the people in the archive. Mm. They don't need to kind of worry if they're keen to submit things. It's kind of not their it's not their job to worry about whether it's useful or not. And I mean everything's yeah. useful in its own way. Yeah. But if it was ever to be kind of accessed and used, you know, there's someone that's going to be sifting mm. through it and sorting it. So I guess don't feel that 
like I said before, don't feel that, you know, why would anyone ever need this? Cause yeah, it's really sweet when people um, either come into the library or send us an email going, I don't know if you want this, and if you don't, just throw it away, it's fine. And there's always that sort of start to the email, you're like, no, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, just bring it here, we'll have a look through it, we'll see what we can do. If we want any of the material... Um, I think, yeah, because that's what we do. That's part of the um, archives role mm. as well, is when we get accessions and when we get people bringing material in, is we do have to sort of go through it and assess it. Because obviously every archive has um, like a certain amount of space. Yeah. And um, obviously with the um, 2030 plan and everything, we're trying to work out how much space we need as well. Mm-hmm. So we do have to assess everything that comes in and what we've got at the moment. But that doesn't mean that people should be no, <laughs> scared absolutely. to give it. And if it's digital accessions as well, that's even less space taken up. Very true. Um, so, is <laughs> it's stuff being digitised as well that is held physically? Um, we scan a lot of our photograph collections. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started. We had volunteers mostly doing that, um, and they started sort of with the collection, and now we do it as and when people need them as well. So people pay to have these scans of certain photographs, maybe for like a book or for a film or something like that. And then, um, so we do have them on file sometimes, but I think we are trying to sort of work out how to um, increase our digital accessions and increase how we look after them as well. Because mm-hmm. it's one thing to look after like actual material because you can sort of see it when it's got like problems and you need to look after it. But digital, I'm sure you understand the issues of like old formats and yeah. trying to keep <laughs> them up to date so that you can constantly access them. I think we are working on that and um, we are aware that we need to do that and it would be great to be able to do that too. And um, I should also mention, because I think if I don't mention this in the conversation about our archives, I'll probably be sacked. Um, <laughs> but there was a couple of quite high profile uses of images that we have in the last few years. Um, do you want to talk about that for anyone who so this isn't was aware? Before my time. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you've been there. <laughs> I'm, I know quite a lot. Um, so... A lot of them, since we digitised the Knights Whitton collection, mm-hmm. which um, if you don't know, <laughs> um, in back in, oh gosh, 2014, 2016? Is this the, what, when it the first Knights Whitton collection? That would, have, that would have been slightly before my time as well. So oh, okay. <laughs> I'll let you guess. So once upon a time, <laughs> <laughs> years ago. Um, there was this um, shop in Sutton that they found all these old glass plate negatives in the back of and the, and so a lottery project was made to um, basically restore them, digitise them and make them accessible for everyone and that's like one of our key projects is the David Knight's Whitam collection. There's some incredible old portraits um, and pictures of the houses and there's a lot actually of St. Philomena's, Carshalton House as well and the different sports teams, different schools, that sort of thing. Um, so that's one of our main projects and a lot of them also had like soldiers photos and family photos as well and they got used in um, 
the most recent one was Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, she's got a picture on her nightstand. That's one of ours, um, <laughs> which is really cool to see because you like. Because I was, I, I went home. And I was like, do you want to go see this film? Because <laughs> I just want to see that one Snapchat where she sees her. Um, and then the other one that was used in. Um, is it? 1970s. Yeah, it was. I was like, I was thinking there's too many war films in my head. I was like, I better say the right one. <laughs> yeah, 1917 is also a really big one. Um, so the two portraits of the women were used in that as a sort of reminiscence of home. And what's really cool is that they've um, since come back to us and said we want to do like a fan package and like want to include some more of those images. So all wow. of that's really cool exposure for us. Mm. And... Um, because they all have like obviously our copyright at the bottom so it's yeah, all like yeah. we know where it came from <laughs> you can come see us <laughs> it's a really kind of um in 1917 it's very prominent uh kind of use of the images yeah and yeah it's quite a like you of, watch the trailer it's there <laughs> yeah it's like a really kind of it's towards the end and it's kind of a moment that almost sort of encapsulates what the film is about and that moment is well I have seen it <laughs> but that moment is him looking at those photos which is quite amazing I, I saw actually... the trailer once they told me when I arrived that like oh yeah we managed to get it in 1917 I watched the trailer I was like and they were like oh yeah that's was... that part of your induction when you started <laughs> yeah. watching that trailer that's the first thing I had to do <laughs> <laughs> I actually went to see it uh, when it was in the cinema and then um, I went to the pub afterwards and saw a, a colleague of ours mm. at the bar and uh, sort of shocked to bump into him, um, was just chatting. And then he was, I said where I'd been and he became extremely animated. And I said, oh, did you see the photos of the girls? Those are ours. I had no idea. So I'd seen it's it before I knew. a hard moment for us. Yeah. And now I see that, I see those pictures pretty much every time I'm in the office. Um, but no, I didn't realise at the time. Yeah. Um, but that is very exciting. It is really cool. And I don't, and um. I don't know how many people like sort of my friends and everything, I go home and I'm like, did you know? And they're like, and, and I'm like, but it's really cool. It's like we're like we're a small archive, like we're a little like local history archive, and this is like in the big global screen, and yeah. it's awesome. And they're like, okay, I, <laughs> I need more excitement here. Oscar nominated, <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. Um, so you mentioned you're also doing some work in the library. Yeah, yeah. How different is that to what you're doing in archive? <laughs> so that one. Libraries is a lot more, um, well, you've worked in them, it's more customer-based mm. and a very varied customer base. Yeah. Whereas obviously in the archives, people sort of come in, they sort of, they want to be there, they've got an idea of what they're looking for, they're very sort of interested in everything they want to do. And in the libraries, it's a sort of more, you'd think you, like everyone goes, oh, libraries, it's all about the books. Mm-hmm. And you'd think you'd have to like, no, have not, a lot of knowledge about different books, different authors and that sort of thing, which there is sometimes for various, um, but only for various genres <laughs> and age groups. Um, but I think a lot of the libraries is more computer, helping out random problems, those sort of things. And it's like, it's basically like a specific versus a broad mm. knowledge, um, archives versus libraries, really. I think that's the main difference to it. Yeah, I think I was kind of surprised by that when I started um, in that I did think it would be more 
yeah. about books. Yeah, because um, I was like, I haven't read properly. Because yeah. I did, I used to read quite a lot as a child, and then I did, and then I got sort of focused on academia, and I went off and did a history degree, and I got, oh, there's so much reading in that, <laughs> <laughs> that I was just like, I can't be bothered to pick up a book during this time just for pleasure. Yeah. And now I'm sort of getting back into it. I, get, I start reading again on my train journeys, but nothing, I can't, I really want to read, like, you know, the big classics that everyone's like, oh, you should really read these. And I'm like, yeah, I really want to, but also my brain can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. No, I have the same thing. I only really read non-fiction. So I was kind of, I was expecting people, we had to come up to me and ask me something <laughs> about some classic book that I should have read and <laughs> not be able to answer and just say, I can recommend a good book on the Russian Revolution if you want. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I was kind of surprised at how much of, it's almost like a community support role yeah, a lot of the time. It's um, definitely a lot more focused on community and helping them out and yeah. all of that than... Um, to be fair, some people do sometimes come up and say, do you have a book on building bridges and mechanical? And, and I'm just like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> it might be up there somewhere. <laughs> I have quite enjoyed finding that out with people, though, because yeah. people don't mind if you don't know, because they obviously know that you can't know all of the books yeah, you have. Yeah. They kind of appreciate you finding it with them. I'm, I remember there was a guy who was looking for very specific mm. st uh, stamp album from a very specific <laughs> year like a really like there was one it was a particular book of stamps yeah, that he yeah. very much wanted to have a look at a hard sort out copy you and, know uh, yeah <laughs> well, exactly yeah so I had to sort <laughs> on of demand dig it out for him and it was there and it was he was very happy and then I was kind of like okay I now know that we have stamp <laughs> albums and I know where they are um What's really fun is when someone says like, oh, where's this book? And you just remember the Dewey number. Yes. And you're just like, oh, it's here. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I have that knowledge. <laughs> and to them, they're probably thinking that you, you could do that with anything in the library. And what a school that is. It starts a quiz, you know, yeah, and I'm just like, like a taxi driver. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I found that. It's, I ended up being one of the things I found quite rewarding about it was that yeah, it is more definitely. about helping people. Um, so is that, I mean... Sounds like you're maybe after you've kind of completed the apprenticeship, looking to continue in archives, or as are you looking still to do something more kind of hybrid? Um, I like to do more archives. The problem with getting into archives is that it's well before these sort of apprenticeships came out, is that you had to have done a master's in mm. archive record management, so it's quite sort of an exclusive that's the one yeah. <laughs> um sort of thing and then obviously i'm doing a level three apprenticeship so that's sort of like the first stepping stone and so you could get potentially archive assistant jobs and everything but there's a level seven one that you need to become a fully qualified archivist but the issue is is that they're very new mm. so it's not many places have them yet so I'll probably have to go and do a master's anyway just to get it sort of out the way. But for the time being, like, um, I do sort of, I do love working in this sort of hybrid position because um, the archives is obviously great fun and I like it. It's a sort of a respite as well from the library. Because yeah, I do the libraries like Monday, Tuesday, and then the archives Thursday, Friday. So by the end of the week, it's actually really nice to talk to sort of and do sort of specific things like that. And then the sort of Monday, Tuesday is just sort of, 
chaos in the library <laughs> or it is this week it's half term and yes. I'm just I think I'm just slightly like oh <laughs> it's been a great day yeah when I, I mean when I was working in the libraries there were certain days that if someone had come down and said uh you know another day this week would you like to spend it in the art I might have bitten the hand off <laughs> yeah so. a lot of people said that because it's like a good chance to sort of sit down and just sort of relax and it's like yeah it is but it's also um it is that, but then also a lot of sort of, um, it's very focused at the same time. Mm. So I think that's what's different is instead of dealing with like 10 customers in an hour, you're dealing with like one very specific request. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I did ask you to uh, come in <laughs> with some three Desert Island book sele- uh, selections as is, takes out my as reminders. is traditional <laughs> on this show and not in any way affiliated to a BBC radio programme of a similar name. <laughs> uh, would you like to take me through your first choice? So the first one um, is A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khalid Husseini. I want to say that is how you pronounce it, but sure, I'm let's probably go wrong. With that. I, I don't have the knowledge to correct you. So. <laughs> um, my, this is quite, it's actually quite a sad book. Um but it's one that I've read a few times. I think I read it when I was too young the first time mm-hmm. and I didn't quite understand what was going on in it. And then I read it again um, just before I went to uni, actually, before I stopped reading altogether. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my gosh, this is actually like it's really good. It's really sort of it really got to like it's quite heart wrenching as well because it's like um one man with his uh, two wives and he's not a, he's not a nice husband at all mm-hmm. and it's like but um it's during the war as well so you have all of that going on and um so it's it's a really good book and it is really sad and I can say I've cried over it <laughs> and I think it's one that I will I will return to as well um and I will definitely say to read it too do you think you are quite drawn to um <clears throat> Uh, to sort of historical fiction or does it sometimes feel like I a bit, didn't of, bit of a busman's on <laughs> I didn't think I was yeah. like if I pick up a book and it says the year is 80 I'm like nope <laughs> 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 like everyone's telling me to read um, Hamnet at the moment um, the Maggie Maggie O'Farrell book mm-hmm. and it starts off with it was it's 1950s or something right. and I'm like Instant. I don't know why, but if someone tells me a date, I'm just like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) If they just sort of go into the story and I'm like, oh, wait, now we're like a peasant in France. That's cool. Yeah. It's just... When the first sentence is... Yeah. I I don't know why, but something in me just goes, oh, no. No, I'm I'm over here, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What about your second choice? So a second one is actually a classic. So it's Little Woman Mm -hmm. by... Uh, Louisa May Alcott mm-hmm. I my mum gave it to me when I was um, I think 8 or 10 or something and I read it then and I've read it pretty much every year since it's just oh, wow. one of those that I really like it's just a really nice sort of like story and I know like there's a like it's just basically the ups and downs of just life really and with like and it's just the really nice family connections as well because it's four sisters and their dad's off uh, um, away and their mum's there. And then it's just like, it's just nice. <laughs> it's just a nice little comfort book, yeah. Well, there's a place for that, definitely. Yeah, and I think everyone needs one of them, so... Absolutely. Uh, what did you think of the recent adaptation of that? I 
don't like her. I'm, I, was kind of, I'm, I can happily say I really don't like her. I was kind of half expecting you to say that because I feel like it introduced a lot of people to the story, yeah. which is great. But um, I do feel like it's one of those things that if you are someone who's mm, really yeah. in love with the book and like a bit of a purist, you <laughs> maybe wouldn't be... I'm not usually a purist with like books to film adaptations. No. There's a lot of times that I've watched the movie and everyone's like, you should read the book. And I'm like, yeah, and I haven't done it. <laughs> um, I won't name them because I, I won't. <laughs> um, but I think this one, it was just focused on two people that were, it was focused on Amy and Laurie most of the time mm-hmm. and they aren't the focus of the book. And right. I feel like they did a lot, of, it, it just didn't work. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. Sort of doing something completely different by yeah. shifting the focus, I suppose. Yeah, so, yeah, because then you went off with when Amy went off to Paris and focused on, like, her love life, and you're like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm here I for. don't care about that. <laughs> Show me when she burnt her book. You should have focused on that a little bit more. <laughs> when she, like, fell into the ice skating pond, focus on that a little bit more, you know? <laughs> Give me the tragedy some more. <laughs> so, yeah, you're on the fence. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> in the big ditch on the other side, but. <laughs> uh, and what about your third and final choice? So this is one I've read recently that I really enjoyed. It's called The Chosen. Um, I'm gonna get this name wrong. It's C H A I M. I think it's like a Chaim. Chaim yeah. Potok. Uh-huh. Um, it's about. It's, it sounds like a like historical fiction now. It's <laughs> about a Jew growing up in. 1930s Brooklyn and like the sort of Jewish community they have in America and it's just basically about um, the two different sects of Judaism that lived there Mm -hmm. and they sort of didn't talk to each other but it's like the two boys of them that sort of become really good friends and I think it is just this is the history sort of nerd I think it does come out in this book (laughs) because it is about like everything that happened and all the evolution of like you can see, it feels like they're in their own little world, kind of, but then you can see the sort of influences of the outside world and all the sort of, um, like, obviously everything that was happening then coming in to their world. And it sort of gives you a very good understanding of Judaism and reads into, like, um, I read a bit into, like, the why Israel was such a sort of, um, sort of the... Oh, I was quite controversial at the time. I didn't yeah. really understand that until I read that book and I was like, oh, okay. wow. I don't know why it just fascinated me so much. And I just really like that book. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's on the list as well. Sounds like a good example of uh, something, its use of a kind of historical setting actually being a way to comment on Definitely. what's happening now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how long ago it's written, but um, it's just... I think it's that it feels like it's um, a sort of like little woman kind of vibe mm. of it's like just life growing up. But then when you get older and you read it again, you see the sort of different influences in it and you see, oh, actually, that's not actually that great, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's because like Little Woman's always like my nice childhood sort of book. And I think the chosen sort of that in between one that mm. feeds well into and you can see um, as you grow up, like the different sort of because I read the sequel recently um okay. I've just finished that actually and um you can see they've all grown up and it's a much more sort of bitter-ish book because it's not as it's um it's the after World War Two effect mm. and um 
you can see the sort of shift in attitudes in it. And I think, yeah, this is a history nerd definitely coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what's like, so those two together, definitely on the list, yeah. I have to read that. I was very fascinated in Brooklyn once, uh, I presumably where this book is set, that mm. there is still um, an area of Brooklyn, which yeah. is almost entirely this um, Jewish community, all who still kind of dress in traditional yeah, clothing so and even like the school, like the sort of classic American school buses. I saw a few of them, and they're oh, all, yeah. uh, they're all in Hebrew. Oh, wow. So it really feels like a city within a city. Yeah, really yeah, I'd definitely say read that mm. book then. Yeah, um, definitely. If you can't get a coffee in the library, I've got one at home. <laughs> <laughs> I got it from a charity shop for like 10p. <laughs> oh, <great>. <laughs> I know, I was like, oh, this looks like a good read. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. <laughs> I'll try the library first. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, you read, do you read now, or did you ever have a period of reading much historical non-fiction other than when you were made to through studying no actually <laughs> really? yeah. okay. i mainly did historical non-fiction through um my degree mm. but um there are some books that like even while shelving sometimes or getting them back in and just doing the library side of things i've got so many pictures on my phone of books i want to read now because i'm like it's not necessarily historical but it's um it's still just, I think I've branched into non-fiction a lot more. Mm. Um, I can't give you any examples, <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, I think I'm more open to the idea of it. I used to think that like, non-fiction, like, who would read that? It's not exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, no, it's actually, like, you can really get into it mm. and sort of analyse it and everything. I think that's the issue as well, is that I feel like I need to analyse and summarise, and I'm like, no, I don't need to do that anymore. Well, I mean, good kind of... Well-written non-fiction is still telling you a story. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so curious because as I'm a sort of history nut as well, I only <laughs> read non-fiction. Yeah. Like, not well, kind of. Yeah, only read sort of historical <laughs> non-fiction, sort of political um, non-fiction. So you like it when stuff. it says the year is this? And not, you're like, not, yeah. in, not in fiction. <laughs> not in fiction. In a, a non-fiction setting, I think great. I know where I am. When they do it in a fictional setting, it does put me on. Okay. As well. Um, but no, I always kind of assume that other people interested in history are, the, are like that too, but clearly that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, because I, when I went to uni, I did a lot of very random units. I did ones that sort of, um, like, I just like the sound of, essentially. So I know some a lot of people that I know did sort of try to specialise and go into certain subjects. And I was just like, oh, no, that sounds fun. Let's go do that. And they didn't really necessarily, like, match up well, which is like, why I think... I can read like chapters of non-fiction mm -hmm. books and then I get bored of the next one because I'm like, oh, what's that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think that feeling as well is like, um, for non-fiction, like, like a fiction book, you read it from cover to cover, whereas mm -hmm. non-fiction books, I think that's what I struggle with right. is I don't have to read it cover to cover, but I can just pick up chapters but then you're like which chapter do I pick I think it's just the whole freedom and I'm like whoa <laughs> <laughs> too much I know <laughs> yeah uh, okay well I do like to ask uh, at the end of these uh, podcasts what if any impact have libraries had on your life personally professionally anything like that how have they kind of played a role um, I think they played quite a big role when I was little um so I used to always go there, like, I think it was, like, every Saturday. It was a mm -hmm. trip to the library. Yeah. <laughs> and it was always really nice, because um, where I live, it used to be in a lovely old building, and I think that stemmed, that was great. <laughs> great start to life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it moved to, like, the centre of town, and 
Um, I know we um, complain sometimes about like the students that come in, but it really is a fun place to go and sit in um, when it's raining. Um, So (laughs) that was also good. And then obviously to the libraries at uni where you spend um, from about 10 o'clock, you know, all nighters that you just spend in the libraries. Very different times of my life from children to this. But I think it's, um, it's been a good part of my life, but in a way I haven't sort of noticed necessarily. Like you don't think, oh yeah, that was like really formative, but it was in the sort of background kind of thing. Yeah. Thanks again to Abby for joining me on the show this week. We will be back next week with another fascinating guest, this time from outside the library service. This series is being released as part of the Sutton Steams Ahead programme, and we have an exciting series of works and events to explore the relationship between art and science coming up across the next few months. You can still watch the short film We Dance for Life on Sutton Library's Twitter and Facebook, and we're looking forward to the street fair on the 1st of July, uh, which you can find out more about at steamsahead.sutton.gov.uk. You can find out about upcoming events on the Sutton Cultural Services Eventbrite page and on our social media channels, Sutton Libraries on Instagram and Twitter and Sutton Libraries London on Facebook. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.